Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. And good to have you with us this morning. And then if you're visiting today, God bless you. We're sure glad that you're here. We, uh, we started a series a couple weeks back. It's just been a few weeks ago on the book of James. And we started that on Sunday morning, and we're kind of picking through it. So I want you to join me this morning in the book of James, and uh, chapter number one, James chapter number one. This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of walk through uh, verses six through eight, six, seven, and eight, and, uh, and just take our time. We're not in any hurry. We're waiting for the Lord to come back, right? And so we're glad you're here this morning. At the end of the service, we're going to welcome uh, two families into uh, our, our, our church community, our, our church, and we're excited about that. And, uh, and so uh, before you leave this morning, we'll get a chance to do that. But go ahead and look in the book of James chapter number one. Now, so far, here's what we've discovered. So far, we've discovered that James uh, is writing this letter. We, we kind of talked about who this James was. You know, there are several men named James uh, in the New Testament, and there are several men named James here at Open Bible Baptist Church. And we're not talking about any of them, although we probably should, but we won't. But this James here, we believe, was uh, the fellow who pastored the church in Jerusalem. If you know anything about that church in Jerusalem, it was, it was a significant church. In fact, it's probably the kind of church that you and I would have joined if we were anywhere in driving distance, even if we had to ride a horse to get there. It was that kind of a church. It's exciting, and it was growing. And I mean, the hand of God was upon it, and things were happening all the time, and it had phenomenal growth. I mean, if you look at that church in the book of Acts, church in Jerusalem, the way that church grew, just phenomenal. I mean, it was growing not by tens or twenties or hundreds, it was growing by thousands. And they say this, they say at one point in time that the church in Jerusalem could have had well over 40,000 members. Man, 40,000 members. I didn't say 40,000 in attendance, but 40,000 members. And it's believed that this fellow James who wrote the book of James, not only was he the Lord's half-brother, He's a half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, but he was probably the, the man who pastored that church in Jerusalem. So get this, as we read the book of James, what we find is this James is writing to individuals that he may have pastored. He had that people-pastor relationship. That's a special relationship, especially when you love your people and when you say you love your pastor. Oh, at least three of us agree. That's a special, unique relationship. And, and so James is writing uh, these believers who had been, if you look in chapter number one and, and verse number one, had been scattered abroad. You see it? So these are, we, we believe them to be Jewish converts, not all Jews, but Jewish converts. Uh, today, they probably would be considered Messianic Jews. 
and now they're scattered abroad. And the Bible says in the book of Acts that because of persecution, they were scattered from their homeland. And I like this. I like this. Kind of goes along with your song, uh, Cherie. They went, as they were scattered abroad, they went everywhere preaching the gospel. You know? So God has a way of getting the message out whether you want to get it out or not. Amen? Uh, He'll force you at times, uh, if he has to, to get that message out. So now James is writing these individuals, and he had this bond. He had this connection with them. And, 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 and we've already studied this out. I'm kind of giving you a little bit of a background. He's writing to them because at this point in time in their lives, they're really going through some tough times. You know, they got some trials. In fact, he talks about it in verse number two. He said, count it all joy when you fall into different kind of trials, diverse temptations. They're going through it. Their back was against the wall. Now, think about this for a second, church. They, they were scattered from their homeland. It's not like they called a travel agent and, and booked a trip, you know? It's not like they were, they were going to someplace they wanted to go. No, in fact, everything was going really good for them where they were at one point in time, you know? Uh, they grew up there. They were now wor- they got saved. They're now worshiping there. They're, they're in their home church, you know? And let's just, let's just pretend that they liked everything that was going on. Did you notice how I said, let's just pretend? Because we usually don't like everything that's going on. But this group did. They just loved their church. In fact, they got so comfortable in their church that God had to scatter them. Because the Bible was to be preached throughout. The gospel needed to be preached everywhere. Is that right? But this church got so comfortable in their church, they loved the pastor so much and is preaching so much. Say amen right there. That they just didn't want to leave, you know? But now they're scattered. They're away from their home, their homeland. They're away from their home church. They're away from their pastor. They're away from their brethren, you know? And now they're all over the place. And going through some tough time, backs against the wall, James writes them as a means to encourage them. And I love, I love his words. He says, look at it, verse 2, count it all joy when you fall into these tough times, right? In other words, what he's saying is this. He's saying, don't, 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 don't let these tough times bring you down. Don't succumb to them. And then he, he, gives, he gives the best uh, encouragement, knowing this. And so he's, he's calling these New Testament believers to remember what they've been taught. Are you with me? i never forget this, church. Many years ago, somebody, somebody made this comment that has kind of stuck to me, and the comment was this. Pay attention right here. Never doubt in the darkness what God has revealed to you in the light. Did you ever hear that before? Never doubt in the darkness what God has revealed to you in the light. There is going to come some difficult times in life. That's just life, right? Life is fluid, you know, and and you never know what a day may bring. And there are times when mm, uh, it gets a little dark. I don't mean dark as far as evil is dark, just dark as far as clouds. Mm, You know, did you ever get a cloud over you for a while? And even though the sun is shining, you just feel like you're living your life under a cloud, Well, the counsel is this. James says, count it all joy when you go through these difficult times because there's something that you know. 
Rely upon what you know. Rely upon what God has done in the past. Hey, whatever God has done in the past, God can do again in the future. If he did it for you once, he can do it for you again. Amen. Amen. Knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh patience. Let patience have her perfect work. I'm just reading. That ye might be, what? Look, look at it. Look at it, class. That ye might be perfect. Verse 4. An entire, I like these next words, Tony, wanting nothing. Amen. Boy, I tell you what, I don't pray this, and I wouldn't pray this. I probably shouldn't even say this out loud. But I would hope the older I get, the less I want. Huh? The less I want. I remember what David said. David said, the sweet psalmist of Israel in Psalm 17 said this, I'll not be satisfied until I awake with your likeness. Lord, help me to get to a place where all I really desire, all I really want is to be more like you. Hello? Wow, that's a great prayer, isn't it? And so James writes to these scattered believers, and, uh, and they're going through a difficult time, and he gives them some great counsel. They don't do anything, guys. He gives them some great counsel. Look at verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom. So here's what James says. James says to this group of individuals, my, 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 my best word on the subject is this. When you're going through these tough times, don't lose me right here. When you're going through these tough times, it would behoove you to get a hold of God's perspective. Huh? When, when you're going through those trials, when everything seems to be, I don't know, going against you. Do you ever have those days where it's just kind of multiplied? It just wasn't, you know, you woke up, the, the washer was leaking, and then you found out, you know, somebody left the refrigerator door open. Now everything in the freezer is melted. Amen. You look out into the driveway, you got a flat. Uh, you walk past your dog and he barked at you. I mean to tell you, if you had a cow, he meowed at you. I don't know what cats do. Uh, just one of those days where it just multiplied, multiplied. Are you, are, are you with me? Huh? James says, during those tough times, you ought to try to do, do, your best, do yourself a favor and try to gain God's perspective on that trial, on that trouble on that difficulty. Why? Because God's perspective will change everything. Say amen right there. Uh, if we can just see it as God sees it, it'll change everything. And that's kind of where, where we left off, you know, in our study. We went from James chapter 1, verse 1, down to verse number 5. But this morning, I want to pick it up for us. I want to pick it up in verse number 6. Look at the Bible. It says, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Would you read verse 7 with me out loud? Here we go. You ready? For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Say amen right there. Huh? Verse 8, he says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now, I want you to notice a common denominator. In fact, that's the title of the message this morning, a common denominator. There's a common denominator mentioned here. There, there's something here that makes a connection. Uh, look at verse 5. Throw it up on the screen, guys. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. 
correct? Now, let, let, me, let me pause and, and, and just take us back just for a second and remind you, remind us that verse 5 is connected to verses 1, one 2, 3, and 4. And in, in verses 1 through 4, what James, what the subject, the topic of what James is speaking of is what? Say it again. Trials. It's okay. Say it nice and loud. Trials. Just because you say it doesn't mean you're going to get them. <laughs> Trials. Trials. And so, uh, uh, Charles, he didn't, James didn't get off the subject in verse number 5. He's still speaking about the trials. Verses 1 through 4, James is encouraging New Testament believers who are going through a tough time, right? And then he comes to verse 5 and says, if any of you lack wisdom concerning your, concerning your trials. You ever gotten to a place where you're under that cloud, your back's against the wall, and you just don't understand what's going on? You ever been there? You know what the Bible says? Let him ask of God, which give it to all men. Let him ask for wisdom, which give it to all men liberally. So, if you're going through a tough time, the best thing we can do is ask God for wisdom. Did you, you got that? You sure? No, three people are saying, yeah, go ahead, preach it, Pastor. How many of you You got that? You, you, see, you see what he's saying there? I need, you need, I need you to see that. Because when you're going through it, sometimes all you can see is it. Did you ever go through it and all you can see is it? And you can't do anything about it if all you can see is it. What you've got to see is God's perspective. So if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not, it shall be given him. Right? But notice the connection to verse number 6. In verse 6 he says, go ahead and flip it, but let him ask in faith. Go back to 5, real quick. Quick fingers. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. See how I have those words highlighted? Can't see it too good on that screen. Let him ask of God. And then verse 6, what's it saying? Look, let him ask in faith. If you're lacking wisdom, ask God. But if you're going to ask God, you need to ask God in you see it? You see the connection? Verse 5 and 6, the common denominator? You know what it is? Faith. It's faith. It's faith. That's the common denominator here uh, in this text of Scripture. Uh, l- l- let me break it down. I think this. I, I think we, we all understand the concept of asking, right? <laughs> we ask for things all the time. I have four children, six grandkids, Right? And I think the kids still ask more than the grandkids. Uh, we understand the concept of asking. In fact, we understand the concept of asking God. So, stay with me. When we ask God for things, we label it as praying. Right? We, we've understood this. We've heard this before. That at its core, you know, when we pray, there's some adoration. Right? There's thanksgiving. There's gratitude. There's worship, but at the core, when we pray, we are asking. Dr. John Rice wrote that great book, Dr. Riddell. He said prayer, asking and receiving. And that's pretty much it. Praying is asking. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you're selfish and you only ask for yourself. But when you pray, you're asking God to intervene. You're asking for God's help. Uh, God's power, God's mercy, God's protection, God's provision. You're asking. 
Uh, how many of us are familiar with the concept of asking? Sure, we pray. But James says this, if you're going to ask, you need to ask in faith. Say amen right there. Amen. In faith. And that kind of changes it a bit. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because it's as if God puts a prerequisite on asking. It's not like, it's not like I have a need and I say, uh, God, I have a need. Would you help me? Hey, Brother Tyler, I have a need. You, can you help me with? Sheree, I have a need. Could you help me with? And my mentality is the more people I get involved, maybe the more chances of me getting what I need. Say amen right there. But God says this, if you're going to ask me, you need to ask me in faith, in faith. So let's, let's talk a little bit about faith this morning. If we're going to pray, we need to pray in faith. That's what James talks about. And then, and then he, he also adds this in. He not only talks about faith, but he brings up the subject of doubt, right? Look, look at verse 6 again. Mm, but let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth, right? So let's just take a few minutes this morning. We'll finish up the message. Now, I'm not done yet. You got all excited, didn't you? <laughs> not finished yet, but let's talk at least a little bit about faith and doubt. Can we do that? Let's talk first a little bit about, about faith. Uh, Hebrews, we're told in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6, go ahead and flip that, guys. We're told, but without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Did you get that? How, how, did, you, how did you come to know Christ? How did you get saved? By faith. By faith, right? By faith. And so the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, right? And so, you understand this, that the whole concept of our relationship with God is just, just faith, right? We just believe God. We're trusting God, correct? How many of us say, I, I understand that, preacher? Amen. You know, I, I got that down. I get, I get that. But let me give you, let me give you, let me give you a definition of the word faith from this verse of Scripture. Are you, are you ready? Go ahead and flip it, guys. Look at this definition. A settled trust and confidence in God based on His character and promises as revealed in Scripture. Amen. Leave that up for a second. Think, look, look, look at that. Get, get, soak that in for a second. James says, as you go through what you go through. By the way, he wasn't only writing to the scattered church. He's writing to us because the Bible's inspired by God and has been preserved for us. So, he's writing to us. So, James says, as you go through what you go through in life, right, you, you, just, need to, you just need to ask God for wisdom, for help. You need to ask in faith. So, what is that faith? Well, it's a settled trust and confidence in God based on what? Well, based on what Tyler told me, based on what Brian has experienced, based on what, what Sandy told me happened in her life 25 years ago. No, it's based on His character and the promises He makes uh, right here in His Word to you and I. 
By the way, thousands of promises, we're told, just for us to claim. Huh? So what does that look like? What does that look like? Let me, let me try to break it down. Uh, what is this settled trust? Let me try to explain it this way. That settled trust is a conviction in truth. Huh? Help me with that, preacher. What do you mean by that? A conviction in truth. Uh, listen carefully. It means this. We are trusting in the truth. Let him ask of God. But if you're going to ask, you need to ask in faith. What does that mean? That means this. When I ask, I'm asking with confidence that what God said, He can do. What God promised, He can fulfill. I'm convinced about that. I have a conviction about that. Huh? Blue carpet, red carpet, no shades, having shades. Got to have air conditioning. They're, they're, they're all preferential. They're all preferential. But when it comes to certain things, we've got to have a settled trust. I'm settled in my spirit. I'm absolutely convicted in my soul that what God said, He meant, and it's for me. It's for me. So when I go through my dark times, and look here, don't let me fool you with the nice tie and the suit. I go through some tough times. Tough times. In fact, there's days when I just want to quit. There's Sundays when I wake up and I say to my wife, I'm not going today. And she says, oh, yes, you are. I'll beat the snot out of you. Amen. Give me two reasons as to why you need, I need to go. She says, I'll give you one. You're the pastor. You got to go. Give me another one. That's not working. Yeah. Now, dark days. What do you do? I have a conviction in my soul that he'll never leave me nor forsake me. I'm convinced. Why? Because of truth. I have a conviction in truth. <laughs> Amen? Amen? But let me, let me, see, let me see if I can make that uh, j- just, just a little bit more clear. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 10, did I have that verse up there? Flip it if I have it. Hebrews 10, 17. There you go. It says this, so faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Did you see that? Huh? And so, in essence, what, 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 what the Bible is teaching us is this. Our faith is rooted in the Scriptures. And that's why when James says, knowing this, the trial of your faith worketh patience, what he's saying to them is this. You know the Scriptures. They've been taught some, some things, this New, New, New Testament church, church in Jerusalem. They've been taught some things. They knew some things. They experienced some things. They've seen others going through some things. They've seen how God worked and how God was blessing and how God was guiding. So they knew that. So James says, you've got to rely upon what you know, rooted in Scripture. So what does this look like for us, right? That's the question. What does this look like for me? I think this. I think our prayers need to be rooted in confidence so that no matter what we're going through, we understand this. Pay attention right here. God's got it. God's got it, right? And some people go through some things. God's got it. And I'm not going to list some of the things that people go through, but, but we go through some stuff. 
As I'm praying in faith, I have confidence that God's got it. God's got my back. God's got my best, in, uh, his best intentions in, in his heart for me. I believe that. It means this, we understand that at times we just don't understand. Right? And that's one of the things we learn here with James. He's not saying, look here, if you lack wisdom. He's saying this, can I give you a better rendering? Since you lack wisdom. Huh? He's not saying, hey, you're going through a difficult thing if by chance you lack understanding. No, no, no. He's saying you're going through a difficult time, and since you don't understand, go ahead and ask God. You got to ask in faith. You got to trust Him. That means when the answer comes back, or when, get this, no answer comes back. Huh? I'm going to stop there in just a moment. You still trust Him. You still trust Him. Ask in faith. And then he says this, look, look, look at the next verse here, or next portion of the verse, nothing wavering. Mm. Say, mm. go ahead, say, mm. Doesn't that feel good? Mm. Mm. Nothing wavering. Why? Look, look, he said, for he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea. Look at it. Driven with the wind and tossed. How about that? So, you know what we would say there? You know what that equates to you and I? Huh? Doubt. Right? So, again, I don't want to keep playing this over and over and driving you crazy, but when you're going through a difficult time, you need to have God's perspective, and the only way to get it is to ask Him. There are times He just doesn't reveal it. It's not obvious. Has anything ever happened to you that has been God-ordained that wasn't first obvious? You had to pause, reflect, step back, get quiet, become silent, become motionless, and say, God, what are you up to? What are you trying to teach me? What's the lesson here? If you're going to do that, you got to do that in faith, right? Without wavering. And we would say that means without doubt. I think this, when most of us look at the word doubt, and pay attention here, we immediately define that as unbelief. But unbelief is unbelief and doubt is doubt. Huh? Yeah. For example, we call Thomas Doubting Thomas, right? He got that nickname. By the way, Jesus didn't call him Doubting Thomas. He called him Didymus. And some would say, well, that means doubt, right? No, that means twin. That means there was another person just like him. Huh? But when you look at what Thomas said, he really wasn't doubting, Ty, because he said, I will not believe. I will not believe unless I take my hand and thrust it through his side. He didn't say, come on, guys, I just can't, I can't fathom that. I can't believe. He showed up. You've got to be kidding me. I, can't, I don't know if I can. Really? No. He said emphatically, I will not believe. Did you ever read the text? So there's a vast difference between doubt and unbelief. I go knock on somebody's door, trying to give them the gospel, first time they ever heard it, and I'm trying to share it with them, and that person says to me, man, I've, I've never heard this before. Can you, can you leave me some information so I can read up on it and, and, and just contemplate this? Sure, I can. Don't wait too long because it may be too late. But I knock on another door, and I say, hey, I'd like to share the gospel of Christ with you. Get off my step. I don't believe that. Difference, huh? 
difference, huh? And so when you look at this text and, and you say you put the word doubt in there for the word waver, I'm not sure if we are really understanding what James is saying. Let's read it this way. <laughs> Let's read it this way. Uh, look at verse number six again. But let him ask in faith without hesitation. Without hesitating. Did you get that? Huh? I want you to say, hmm, that's good. That's good. Let him ask in faith without hesitation, because the word doubt in that verse, the implication is hesitating. How many times have we hesitated when it comes to trusting God? Hmm? You don't want to admit it, do you? All right, so after you hang up the phone that is related to heaven, what's the next phone number you call? Who's the next person you? And I'm not saying, you know, hey, God, I got a situation going on. I need you to reveal. Uh, hey, Brother Tyler, do me a favor. Would you pray for me? I got something going on in my life. Would you pray for me? Hey, hey Dave, would you, would you pray? I'm not talking about not eliciting, eliciting uh, other prayers. No, I'm talking about trying to get that need met some other way. You're real quiet. Without hesitation. Huh? Yeah. Let him ask in faith without hesitation. We don't hesitate when it comes to trusting God. I used to have a deacon years and years ago. You remember Dan Madden? Dan used to say this. He went to a school, and at the school he went to, one of the professors or somebody would say, you know, but how could you be 100% sure that when you die you're going to go to heaven? And Dan, I remember Dan said this one time. He told me he said this to him. Well, you know what? If it's not true and what I'm believing, I'm going to go to hell trusting in Jesus. Huh? In other words, what he's saying is, I'm not going to hesitate when it comes to trusting the Lord. I'm not going to do it. Why? Because my faith is built in confidence in this Word. I'm not, this is not some blind faith. No, I have God's Word on it, and God's character can be trusted. I don't want to go back to that definition, but that's what that definition said. Are you with me? So notice a few ramifications to this wavering. Look what he says here in verse number six. He that wavereth is like, is a metaphor. You're like what? Well, you're unstable as water. You're unstable as water. You're like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed. Tossed. Help me here. I read this morning in my personal devotions, my cousin Ed's back there, Ed. I read this morning in Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27, it's a great read, but you need to read a few chapters prior. The Apostle Paul is on a ship in Acts chapter 27. Look here, because God put him there. In the previous chapters, he's standing before the king, he's standing before Agrippa, the king, he's standing for Festus, and Agrippa says this, Paul almost out persuadest me, and then he's leaving his the platform, and he says to Festus, you know, if he didn't, talking about Paul, if he didn't appeal to Caesar, I'd have let him go today. He was incarcerated, Paul, for his faith. Now, get this. If he didn't appeal to Caesar, I'd have let him walk. But now we got to send him to Rome. And so, guess where Paul? Paul's on a ship, 
and that ship is going through all kinds of bad storms. It's shipwrecks, right? Uh, in the midst of the heavy storm, pay attention right here, hmm, Paul, the, the guys put a, a lifeboat over, and they're ready to abandon ship, and Paul says, hey, hey, God's only promise to save the lives of those who remain on this ship. If you get in that, you're going to die. You know what Paul knew? Paul knew this trial was on purpose because I got to get to Rome and witness to Caesar and everybody in Rome. God was in all of that. He is trusting God through all of that. But he's in the midst of the sea, and he's tossed to and fro. He's on the boat. And by the way, are you listening to this? There are 216 people on that boat with him. He wasn't in a dinghy. <laughs> Pretty big boat. That might even constitute a ship. And yet all of them now come under the fear of God because of one man's faith. Huh? But the others were tossed to and fro, ready to abandon ship, ready to... Are you with me? ramifications. And here's the worst. Look at verse number seven. He says, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Unstable, uncertain, unsuccessful. Why is it, man, sometimes, pastor, that, you know, I, you know, I, I bring it to God, but nothing's happening. Well, maybe you need to draw a line from your prayers to your faith. I don't know. Huh? Maybe you're just not trusting God. Maybe God knows that. <laughs> By the way, He knows the condition of our heart, right? He knows what we're believing and what we're not believing, what we say we're trusting and what we are really trusting. And I think this, I think the thing that maybe brings doubt more than anything is silence, when God is silent, right? Has God ever been silent in your life? When God is silent. I think that is, it's tough because when God is silent, now pay attention right here and I'm finished. When God is silent, I get uncomfortable. How about you? When God is silent, you know what I do, Craig? I'll tell you what I do. I lean to my own understanding. When God is silent, I try to fix my own problems, even though I don't even know what to do. When God is silent, I'm like the guys on the boat with Paul. I want to jump overboard. I want out of here. Boy, if you had another hour, I can really make this practical. Because we are so accustomed to just jumping ship, abandoning ship. And one of my all-time favorite sayings, I coined this years ago. I didn't hear anybody else say it. This was mine. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Don't quit before God finishes. So many of us, I mean, we just quit before God, and God say, no, wait, man, look what I got for you over here. For we know all things work together for good, to them that love God, to those who are called according to His purpose, but we quit before God's done, and we never get a chance to see what He's going to do. <laughs> Amen? And so when God is silent, and we, be, we, we, we get uncomfortable, 
you know, we want to lean to our own understanding. Remember what the wise man Solomon said, because the book of James is the New Testament equivalent to the book of Proverbs. And, 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 and in Proverbs, you remember Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6? Say it with me if you know it. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thy in all thy ways, and he shall. In that wise counsel. Huh? Going through them times. The common denominator, faith. Let him ask in faith. In other words, Lord, I believe. I trust you. And you remember that one disciple said, help my unbelief. There are times when I struggle. How about you? Lord, help me in those times. So let me ask you this morning, church, what, what's your perspective on trials? What, what's your perspective on your life right now? What are you going through right now that maybe you just don't understand? What is it right now that, that, that's going on and you're saying, Lord, let him ask of God. Ask in faith, and God will give you his unique perspective. Amen? Because the songwriter said this, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Amen? Let's sing it there. Faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. Victory that overcomes the world. Let's bow together for prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of it, the power of it, the instruction of it, the conviction of it. We thank you for it. And I believe, Lord, you give us just what we need, just when we need it. And in speaking about trials and troubles, someone said, he who preaches to a broken heart will never want for an audience. And so there's always someone, if not more than one, if not many, in an auditorium, in a room this size, with this many people, that's going through some tough times. And I trust that as James tried to encourage the brethren scattered abroad, that you tried to encourage us today. Help us to put our faith, our trust, our total dependence in you. And when we're going through those tough times, those difficult times, help us to gain your perspective so we can rise above the circumstances and see what you have planned. Give us that kind of faith today. And Father, if there's someone here who's struggling, going through some difficulties, and they need someone to pray with, may they know we're here. We're right here, waiting to help, waiting to pray, waiting to lend a kind ear, a kind word. And then if there's someone here who doesn't know Christ as Savior, may today be the day in which they get that settled. For we pray in Jesus' name, and amen. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.